1420 WBSM presents Ray Lance of the USA Wealth Group. It's time to get your finances in order. MoneyWise starts now. And good Sunday morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to MoneyWise, brought to you every Sunday morning by USA Wealth Group. The question I'd like to ask this morning as we start is, what happens in this country in the year 2026 if we run out of money to fund the Medicare program? That's what the current projections are right now. Medicare is going to run out of money in 2026, three years earlier than expected. And that means, of course, that our government is going to have to do something because we can't afford to run out of money to fund the Medicare program, which pays for health insurance and many other programs for millions and millions of Americas. So this morning we're going to be talking about Medicare. It's right now what's called the open enrollment period. We're going to talk a little bit about the funding side of Medicare, although that's of concern to some people. Um, it's an important issue in Medicare, Social Security. For example, did you know that in our federal budget right now, defense spending only counts for 16% of our total budget? People think that it's a lot more than that. Social Security counts for 24%, and Medicare, Medicaid, the CHIP program counts for 26% of our federal budget. So the Medicare program and the Medicaid program are the largest single component of our federal budget. And yet, we all have a very confusing time trying to sort out Medicare and find out what we're eligible for and what are the best programs to cover. I have to say that I find it to be one of the more confusing areas of everything that we talk about on the radio. So with me this morning is uh, my uh, partner in life, my wife and uh, noted attorney, Attorney Tenny Lance. Good morning, Tenny. Good morning to you and everyone out there. And Tenny does a lot of work in the Medicaid area, protecting people's assets if somebody has to go to a nursing home. Uh, for example. And real quickly, if you want to reach Tenny at any time, give her a call at 508-998-8800. We have another special guest with us this morning, Ellen Hull, H-U-L-L. Ellen is the outreach coordinator for the Dartmouth Council on Aging. Uh, They're located on Dartmouth Street in Dartmouth. And you do a lot of very interesting things. So good morning, Ellen. Good morning to you and to all of your listeners. Now, Ellen, I want to know, how much experience do you have on the radio? None. Good. All right. Well, we have a lot of experience, but it doesn't help us all the time either. So welcome to WBSM 1420 AM. We are, by the way, the most listened to program on the weekend on the whole South Coast area, including WBSM. So just think of this. Thousands and thousands of people are going to be listening to you this Sunday morning as this is being broadcast. That doesn't make me any more calmer here. (laughs) (laughs) No, we'll make you feel comfortable. We're going to have a wonderful, pleasant conversation. But um, Ellen has a really interesting background. She was uh, born in the New Bedford area. She's been a Dartmouth resident since high school. I love the town of Dartmouth. There's so many things to do there that people don't even realize. But now you've been outreach coordinator for the Dartmouth Council on Aging for a little over four years. Yep. So that's good. And you also worked at uh, Coastline Elderly Services as a case manager for seven years. And then prior to that, you were working in the manufacturing area in New Bedford. So you've, your whole career has been spent doing things in our area, hasn't it? 
uh, just about all the things, except for a couple of years of teaching mm-hmm. up in the Boston area. Okay. And Ellen is a graduate and has a degree in education, a graduate of George Washington University. I actually looked into applying to that school a long t- time ago. Um, I'm not sure why I never followed through and actually applied, but I did look at that, I remember. And you also have a master's degree in community planning from BU, Boston University. So did you know that Tenney has also done a lot of community planning in the past? No. Yes, I'm fascinated to know that you have a degree in that area. That's something I, other than the law, that was what I wanted to pursue and just never got around to it. So Tenney has done such things as work for engineering companies where she wrote the master plan for the town of Brewster, for example. I remember that one in particular. And Salisbury and Lakeville and all kinds of places. So she has a lot of background doing master plans in the past. The reason I remember Brewster is because she was driving around the town of Brewster studying things to prepare her master plan report. And I would be riding in the car beside her studying law books because I was in law school at the time. So that's how we spent many, many weekends, didn't we? Yes, but my favorite job was doing a land use survey of Martha's Vineyard. What a treat. I mean, you you couldn't pay me enough to do that. It was wonderful. Anyway. They probably didn't have to pay you to do it. I was just going to (laughs) say. Well, anyways, uh, you have a very interesting background, Ellen, and and, uh, we appreciate you being on this morning because um, I know you don't work as a shine counselor, but some of the things you do is you help coordinate people who are coming in for – uh, fuel assistance through the PACE program or food stamps through the SNAP program, S-N-A-P. And the SNAP program is one of those items that comes under uh, the Medicare budget and the federal budget. But it really is pretty astounding to realize that um, more than half of our federal budget goes for entitlements and specifically for Social Security and Medicare. People don't realize this. They think, well, There aren't that many older people in this country, and there aren't that many people collecting Social Security, but it's really just the opposite. And um, so more than half of our budget goes for Social Security, uh, Medicare, Medicaid, CHIP, and those kinds of programs. And um, I just find it amazing every time I see those statistics. So the, the difficult news this morning is that Medicare is projected to run out of money In 2026, three years earlier than was originally forecast just a couple of years ago. When you say run out of money, is that similar to Social Security um, in in that the federal government is borrowing from the Medicare program? It is, and Social Security is projected to become insolvent in 2034, which isn't that far away either. It's about 15 years from now. So what that means is that um, it's not likely that we're going to stop paying Social Security, and it's not likely that we're going to stop funding people's Medicare and health insurance benefits, which are critical for so many people, the older population in particular. But what it does mean is that the government is going to have to wake up at some point and figure out how we're going to cut spending in other areas how we're going to raise revenue, and raising revenue means raising taxes, typically. And um, what Congress usually does, and I'm just categorizing everybody in Congress in the same boat, if you will, they put things off as long as they can. 
they don't like to deal with issues that are controversial and mm-hmm. confrontational. And this is a this is a serious issue that's going to have to be addressed. By the way, when um, President Donald Trump um, campaigned, he campaigned on a promise not to cut Social Security or Medicare, although there has been nothing coming out of the administration on what they're going to do to solve this gap in the budget. So it's going to be really interesting. Um, I've always said, um, and I've said before in this show, that I don't expect we'll ever cut Social Security. I don't expect we'll ever cut Medicare. I mean, we would have really a lot of destitute people in this country if we did that. And we'd have a a million older person march on Washington, D.C. That would be tough to watch, wouldn't it? Well, I think they'd have difficulty marching, but... uh, Well, or we'd rent out wheelchairs or something. (laughs) (laughs) But it is a serious problem of how you're going to fund this and how you're going to pay for it. And... Uh, sometimes I, I suspect everybody listening has seen indications of this in your own medical care. You, you're paying copay sometimes for your health insurance or, or for your treatments when you go for treatment. Um, you're seeing shorter visits with your providers. You're seeing shorter hospital stays. Hospitals now are under a great push to cut costs, and they have guidelines for how long people can stay in the hospital following certain procedures, and the goal is to push people out the door, back out the door as quickly as possible. So we're going to see more of that. Um, By the way, uh, Tenny and I each received separately, and talk about spending money. I've got this booklet. It's a 123-page booklet called Medicare and You. And what I'm going to say is anybody who's receiving Medicare right now has received one of these booklets. And I wonder what it costs to publish this and to send one to Tenny and to send one to me and to send one. I got mine too. Yeah. And did you get one also? (laughs) I got one too. Honestly, the paperwork that comes out through the requirements of the Medicare program are unbelievable. We, We get... Uh, monthly drug benefit summaries. We get monthly treatment benefit summaries. And each of them are printed in every language known to man, mm-hmm. uh, along with all kinds of disclaimers and uh, empty pages that just have my address on it. It's it, it really bothers me every month when I get those. Well, it's it's not just every month. I mean, literally, virtually every single week, I get something from Harvard Pilgrim Healthcare. And it's usually a fat envelope with a dozen pieces of paper, and two or three of the pages are identical almost every single publication or mailing that I receive. And you're right. It's in multiple languages because we now have bureaucratic structures that say, well, you've got to put it in Spanish. You've got to put it in Chinese. You've got to put it in Japanese. You've got to put it – and it comes through in like a dozen different languages. Yeah. So it's nuts. Well, it's part of the growing bureaucracy we have in this country. Well, we don't expect to really run out of money, but the program itself is going to be in a serious budget deficit uh, capacity. I'm going to mention one quick thing about taxes, and that is, as we know, starting with this year, in the year 2018, we have a new tax bill that we're operating under. And part of that was individual income tax reductions, but it's a temporary reduction. It's only in effect for individuals for a five-year period. And at the end of five years, the way the law is written, it's going to go back to the tax rates we were paying before. And I often ask people in the office, what's logical? What would you expect? How do we fund this massive deficit? 
the most recent congressional budget was forecasting something just under a trillion dollar deficit this year alone on top of the $22 trillion deficit that we're already running with. How do we pay for that? Um, one of the other major categories of expenditures uh, in our national budget and our federal budget is just interest on the federal debt. But um, I don't want to go too far afield on this. I want to talk about Medicare. This is the most important thing to talk about today. But the fact is, one of the things that we probably are going to expect in the future is an increase in federal income taxes. We have to. If we can't cut spending at the federal level, and we have a lot of entitlement programs, and if the economy doesn't grow consistently and rapidly to produce more tax revenue, and if we don't have more people coming into the country to grow the population, and I'm talking about immigration a little bit, then how do you keep feeding this budget and this huge deficit? And how do you support the government? Well, the only way you're going to do it is to raise taxes. So there's a lot of things at play here. Um, but let's talk about the Medicare program. So, Tenny, you know from your own experience that when you reach 65, you must sign up for Medicare insurance. That's the first thing. Yes, or if you don't, you have a penalty later uh, unless you're covered by your employer. So it's a very difficult situation for people who just don't get around to it or forget. So here's a quick tip on the sign-up period. There is a seven-month initial enrollment period, and it begins with the three months prior to the month in which you reach age 65. It includes the month in which you reach 65, and then it extends to the three months after the month in which you reach 65. That's a seven-month period in which you can initially sign up. And a lot of people confuse this, and they think, well, I haven't started Social Security yet, so I don't have to sign up for Medicare. That's a wrong piece of information. Or they think that because I have to sign up for Medicare, that's the time to sign up for Social Security as well. Yep. And they're unrelated. They're two different things. Uh, we've done special programs just on Social Security in the past for a whole hour, and we're going to do that again before long. But they're not related. So you can apply for Social Security at age 62 if you choose to, not usually the best thing to do. And then when you reach 65, you must sign up for Medicare. Now, Tenny, you mentioned a penalty. Uh, the penalty, for people who don't know, they don't send you a bill and say you owe us money. Rather, they increase the cost of what you have to pay for paying for Medicare insurance. And it's for the rest of your life. So it's a serious penalty. That seven-month window to sign up initially is critically important. The other critically important thing is what's called um, – I actually have dropped the name for a moment. Open enrollment. The open enrollment period. Thank you. We are now in the open enrollment period. And this is another important thing to think about Medicare. So if you're already on Medicare uh, insurance, and Ellen, I assume you are perhaps? Yes, I okay. am. Okay. And Tenny is receiving Medicare, and yes. I receive Medicare. Well, there's a couple of really specific things we're going to talk about with Medicare insurance. Number one, they don't cover everything. So most people have a supplement program of some kind. I think my supplemental insurance, which picks up a lot of things that Medicare does not, I believe that costs me like $148 a month. And that's about typical. Do you know what yours is, Tenny? Uh, not exactly, but it's about that, yes. 
it's on the that's more on the higher range. You can get them mm-hmm. um, considerably less, and it depends on what you want covered. It's the question of what are your medical issues. How often do you go to the doctor? Mm-hmm. Because the lower your copay, the fewer times you want to be, have to go to the doctor. Okay. Because with a lower pay, you're going to have higher copays. You're going to have to get referrals to your doctors from your primary doctors. Um, and lab work, a lot of lab work is not covered totally. Mm-hmm. You would have, so there are more out of pocket with the lower fees. Okay, so if you pay less for the supplement insurance, then you're going to pay more for out-of-pocket costs. Or conversely, I guess if you pay higher per month, like I pay, I believe, $148 a month, then I'll pay less out-of-pocket. Correct. And, I, I, you know, I, I go to doctors, you know, periodically. I still pay uh, deductibles when I go. I'll pay a co- or a copay when I go because that depends upon my supplement insurance what plan. It, what the plan is. And the people have to decide when they're going to sign up. That's one of the biggest things is how often do I go to the doctor? Mm-hmm. There are people who are 65, 68, 70, once a year. That's it. Mm-hmm. They're, so they're looking at why should I pay right. the higher premium when I go once a year and so I pay a higher deductible. So it's a matter of balancing out of what where you are medically. Right. It's very needs. much like looking at the Medicaid program. You don't know what's going to happen in the next five years, so how do you plan? And with Medicare, you don't know whether you might need a specialist in 2019. So do you sign up for the more comprehensive plan, or do you save, hopefully, money? You know, I, I have to say I was talking to a couple of people in the office um, uh, even this morning and the last couple of days as we're getting ready to talk about Medicare on the radio. And I said, this is probably one of the most complicated areas that we touch. And we are very knowledgeable and very expert in many, many areas of the law and in finance, taxation. Tenney does estate planning and Medicaid planning, nursing home protection. But this is an area where I would imagine most of the people listening today really just don't understand it because we deal with it a lot and we struggle to understand it. It's very, very complicated. I mean, the simple fact that Medicare and the federal government sends out this 123-page booklet, and by the way, the last page is in, uh, let's see, Chinese, French, Dutch, Haitian, Creole, Italian, Japanese, Korean, Polish, Portuguese, Russian, Tagalog. I don't know what Tagalog is. In Vietnamese, uh, little blurb publications, which basically tell you, if you don't understand the English in the 122 pages, contact us and we'll send it to you in your native language. So, uh, and Armenian is also in here. So, wow, it's complicated as the devil. And this is a complicated time. So this open enrollment period, which has already begun, and I think it ends, what, December 7th? December 7th, yes. Okay. So between now and December 7th, there are very important reasons why you might want to consider switching your Medicare coverage. So during the open enrollment period every year, you're allowed to sit down and make a change. 
So as you mentioned, Ellen, maybe somebody signed up for a less expensive program, and all of a sudden they're finding themselves going to the doctor more, and it's costing them more money out of pocket. Maybe they should switch to a different kind of program. That's This is the time that they need to sit, look at their bills from last year mm-hmm. and where they are medically right now. Do they foresee that they are going to be increased visits to the doctor? Right. Um, they have a problem that's occurred. Then they really do need to sit down and evaluate, reevaluate the plan that they have. And that they need to really do before they come to see a shine officer because the shine officers, most of them have about an hour to see you. And in that time, they don't have the ability to go over all the different plans Mm -hmm. and to sit and talk with you about everything that's uh, involved in it. So one of the things that you do, Ellen, and we're talking with Ellen Hull, who's the outreach coordinator for Council on Aging in Dartmouth, or Dartmouth Council on Aging, I guess is the right name. Dartmouth Council on Aging. Um, You help to coordinate and set up the appointments with Shine counselors. Correct. And that's really important because those appointments are free, aren't they? Yes. These are volunteers. Shine, Mm -hmm. people don't understand that. Shine uh, coordinators are uh, volunteers who go through a pretty extensive um, schooling classes that they have to go to. They have to pass tests to be able to get certified. And then they come and volunteer their time. I know. And it's a great job they do. So these are people, Shine Counselors are people who are, number one, very well trained. Number two, they're volunteers. And number three, they're there to help you. If you're listening today and you're struggling with the cost of health insurance, you're struggling with the cost of medical bills, and you're wondering, are you in the right program or the best program that's right for you, you need to sit down with a Shine Counselor. We're going to talk in a couple of minutes about where you can find a Shine Counselor because they're in virtually every community in New Bedford and Dartmouth and Fairhaven. Um, Westport. Westport. You need to sit down, and it's worthwhile doing this every single year. They're very busy right now, obviously. Yeah. It's, everybody should evaluate the policy they have every year. But, and they should do it before the open enrollment date, <laughs> not wait till open enrollment because once open enrollment hits, um, every, it becomes exceedingly busy. So you can actually evaluate it before the open enrollment period, but then during the open enrollment period, is which when is you right change. now, is when you actually make a change. Yep. You know, I'm so busy talking that I forget to give my usual quotations. I like to give quotations. So a guy named Robert Orban said, Older people should not eat health food. They need all the preservatives they can get. <laughs> I like that one. <laughs> or true. my other it's one true. is George Carlin. I've always been a fan of George Carlin. Isn't it a bit unnerving that doctors call what they do practice? <laughs> so, Anyway, we've got some more serious quotations we'll give also, but I'd like to have some of these other funnier quotations. Um, Marco Rubio. Did you ever hear of Marco Rubio, mm-hmm. senator in the state of Florida? Florida. Very articulate young man. Um, I like him a lot. Uh, he said, my neighbors aren't millionaires. They're retirees who depend on Social Security and Medicare. And this is true with much of our older population today. Without Social Security and without Medicare, uh, they wouldn't be able to survive. So these are critically important programs. Um, 
I'm going to mention one other thing, uh, too, as a quick little fact that I just happened to know. Um, doing the radio show for over six years, you uh, absorb a lot of useful and sometimes useless information. But do you know the number one reason why people of all ages, including seniors, file bankruptcy in this country? Medical, Health medical costs. Expenses. Medical expenses, medical bills. So as much as we think we have a safety net with Medicare and, and, and Medicare supplements, um, lots and lots of people still pay too many medical bills they can't afford. That's the number one reason people go bankrupt in this country is medical bills, not because they've spent money on credit cards. So that's kind of sobering when you think about it. We're going to come back in just a moment, ladies and gentlemen, and we're going to talk about some specifics about the new Medicaid regulations and Medicare regulations, I should say, for 2018 and show you how you can perhaps think about saving some money. So stay tuned. We'll be right back. And welcome back to MoneyWise, ladies and gentlemen. We're so happy to be with you every Sunday morning. MoneyWise is brought to you every Sunday by USA Wealth Group. We do primarily financial services and retirement planning. And I like to say that it doesn't matter who we meet with. We can always show somebody how to improve something in their financial condition and how to make more money, how to be more protective of your principal. Uh, we want to evaluate whether you've put a proper estate plan in place. And, and then we'll do a referral to attorney Tenny Lance, for example. But there's always something you can do. And we find that most people are it's a common human trait, are really very much guilty of procrastination. You just put off until tomorrow. We like to say sometimes that people spend more time planning for a vacation than they will thinking about planning for their estate plan or planning to look at their finances. So give us a call at USA Wealth Group anytime at 508-998-8858. We have lots of interesting reports we can give you on uh, Medicare and Medicaid and IRAs and just a lot of useful information. The things that we deal with tend to be fairly complex, like IRAs. It's not as simple as you think. Or our topic for today is Medicare, which is the government health insurance program. And so, again, welcome back to Attorney Tenny Lance. Thank you very much. I'm glad to be here. And welcome back to Ellen Hull. Ellen is the Outreach Coordinator for the Dartmouth Council on Aging. You can reach her at 508-999-4717, and her extension is 3304. If you don't have a pen to write that down and you're going to forget it, give us a call to our office, and we'll be happy to give you a referral to Ellen. But now, we should mention, um, you did sort of uh, refer to it before, but... Every community pretty much has a Council on Aging. Is that right? Absolutely. All the communities in this area, um, Rochester, Fairhaven, Marion, Mattapoisett, New Bedford, Westport, and all of them pretty much have, um, have an outreach worker or someone who does what I do may not have the title exactly but does do what I do. Mm-hmm. And so they're there for you. They're there for um, help with your Medicare supplement programs, with other things. What do you also work with, Ellen Pace? And I, I do applications for Pace, for SNAP, 
Um, and can you explain what those are? Okay. PACE is the uh, Area Agency for Fuel Assistance. Uh, SNAP is the uh, what used to be known as food stamps. Uh, I also do just about anything and everything. I consider myself a facilitator. Mm-hmm. If you have a problem, if someone, whether it's you yourself or your parents who are over 60, um, I'm – a clearinghouse to Good. try to find how to help them. We do transportation to doctor's appointments. We also send – I also give um, applications for CERTA for their on-demand service for people who need that. Um, so CERTA is a local transportation bus company, and that means if somebody needs transportation to a doctor's appointment, for example? Right. CERTA has a um, – arm of them that's called CERTA On Demand. And part of the application needs to be filled out by your doctor. Mm-hmm. But with when that is done, they send it in. And with approval, you then 24 hours ahead of time, you call them and tell them what you need. And they do have um, wheelchair accessible vans as well. And they will take you to doctor's appointments that you have. So it's as well as all the Council on Aging's, it's another great asset that's in the area. So to summarize, I think that uh, you mentioned that people need to gather their health insurance information or their health bills from the prior year and then make a call to your Council on Aging and ask for an appointment with a SHINE counselor. And you only have between now and December 7th to do that to get the most efficient, cost-effective coverage that you need to supplement your Medicare program. Um, Anything else that people ought to be uh, preparing, Ellen, when they come to see you or a SHINE counselor? Yes. What they need to do first is to, if they think they're going to change their plan, they need to look at the different plans that are available from the different companies, whether it be United Health, Tufts, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, doesn't matter which one. But you can call them, you can email them, um, you can pick them up a lot of uh, at the community health center. I think they have different information booklets about the different plans. And you have to do a little homework on your own before you come see the Shine Counselor in seeing what you think that you want was not working in your previous plan, how you want to improve it in the area. And they will help you to narrow it down to pick out a few plans. But it's your decision in the end is what you can afford monthly for your premium and what the important things are to you. I think one of the toughest things is to know which is the most basic plan that works for you. I received yesterday from Harvard Pilgrim a big fat envelope, about one a day I received, but this one had all kinds of information about hearing aids and a reduction in cost that I can get through Harvard Pilgrim for hearing aids, for dental services, all kinds of things that I really didn't even know I had, and I wonder whether I fully need. So as Ellen says, it's really 
tough, and you have to do a little homework to compare plans. Ellen, I would think that the work that you do must be very gratifying because you're explaining what programs and services are available that people might not even know about. Well, that's the uh, biggest thing is I do a lot of work with children, a lot of them from out of state who will call, that they have parents uh, who they feel are getting to the point they need some assistance. And that's what we do. We go out, we do home visits, we check on people, we assist them in finding the help that they need including help with their health plans, that um, it's just Mm mind-boggling, all that uh, different programs that are around that people don't know about. From towns, all the towns have different programs as well uh, to assist their citizens Mm -hmm. from tax abatements. I'm really proud that Dartmouth last night at its fall town meeting, um, I shouldn't say last night, it was a couple of days ago, but they voted to approve a uh, mental health advisory housing program uh, at Anderson Way. Mm-hmm. And that's really a needed service, and I'm proud that they voted that way. Yeah. Well, um, we do a lot of, uh, to help our senior citizens in this country in general. We do a lot in this area. Um, I remember reading at one point um, a description that said, you can measure the value of a country by how well they take care of their senior population. But it's expensive. It costs a lot of money. I want to give you a quotation from John Sununu, who's a former oh, yes. uh, governor of New Hampshire. It worries me about our unwillingness to really address reforms and modernization in Medicare. This thing was designed 37 years ago. It's actually a little older now. It has not evolved to keep pace with current medical technology. And so that's a lot of what you see right now. But I wonder, you know, how many times do you go to a doctor's office, for example, and you feel like you're, you know, a little machine? Do you get your five minutes or your ten minutes with a doctor? And then other than that, you're seeing a couple of assistants, a couple of nursing assistants and things like that. And sometimes if it isn't done correctly, you feel like you're a little machine. You're being run in and out. And it doesn't matter what your age is or anything else. But it's a reflection of the stress that's on the medical community today and the insurance industry today about how do you pay for these things. And um, it's a serious problem. I want to give you something from um, Al Franken. Al Franken was a senator from North Dakota, South Dakota, somewhere out there. I forget where he's from. I don't remember. Uh, He actually resigned because he got caught up in some of the uh, scandal stuff. But if Republicans eliminate Medicare, America will become a country in which you can never retire And once you physically can no longer work, you're desperately poor until you die. So the Medicare program is critically important, as is Social Security. And I'm not trying to be political in making these statements. These are just from quotations that I had researched or on one sheet. This is from Mike Pence, our vice president. I oppose the Medicare prescription drug entitlement. I oppose the Wall Street bailout. I oppose the stimulus bill. Uh, That was the whole quotation. And then there's one other quotation I want to give, my last political quotation from Joe Biden, um, former vice president. Social Security is not the hard one to solve. Medicare, that is the gorilla in the room, and you've got to put it all of it on the table. So politicians, one by one, are aware of the desperate situation that we're in, 
as I mentioned earlier, it's projected right now that Medicare is going to surpass its budget uh, and run out of money theoretically in 2026, which isn't that far away. But on a local level, it's real important to evaluate what you've got. I think it was two years ago, Tenny, that you and I went into Dartmouth Council on Aging. We went in together. We met separately with different counselors, different shine counselors. Now, we know a lot about this stuff, but yet we felt it was important to go in and sit down with a shine counselor. And it resulted in us making changes in which programs we went with. And as you say, it was two years ago. And um, Ellen will remind us that we should look at this every year. And it just takes time that most people don't have or don't take. Don't think about. Don't think about. But the biggest thing is, is if you're happy with what you have, it financially works for you. Mm -hmm. Then you're fine. Excellent. Good point. You know, don't think that you have to change. You don't. If you're happy, you need – and one of the things when you start thinking about changing a program is that check first. If you like your primary doctor, make sure that whatever you're looking at, they accept. Very, very important. Good point. Because not every program accepts every physician. So if you really like where you are and the doctors that you've been going to for years and years and years, as Ellen has said, and we're talking with Ellen Hull, who's the outreach coordinator from Dartmouth Council on Aging, if you're happy with the doctors that you have, before you switch, you want to make sure they're still part of the new program that you want to switch to. Right. Otherwise, you could end up finding new doctors. Right. You would have to find a new primary. Right. It's it's your primary, not your um, specialist. Okay. One of the things that we have that we're happy to give uh, anybody who would like as a report, it's, um, it's about 16 pages long, and it tells how Medicare prescription drug coverage works. It explains the differences between Medicare Parts A and B, the Medicare Part C, the Medicare Advantage Program, the Medicare Part D prescription drug program. This goes back to the time when people sign up for Medicare coverage initially, and most people sign up right away for Parts A and B, because mm-hmm. that's what the government wants you to take. You Part D to. is critically important. You have to have Part D. You have to have it now? You okay. have to have Part D now, or you're penalized. Okay. I didn't know that. So Medicare yep. Part D is it's prescription drug You have to have coverage. a prescription drug plan. Gosh, I see people. I don't think they have Part D, Well, because I ask them when they come in what their coverage is. Some people is. don't. Most people really don't understand. But if they have a drug card then they have Part D. If they have a, a little card that they, when they go to their pharmacy and give to their pharmacists mm-hmm. f- for their prescriptions, they, they have Part D. How is it uh, a penalty? You, uh, the government will take it out of your Social Security, I believe. Oh. I, think, I think that's correct. I think hmm. they charge you yeah, more. they yep. charge you more. Hmm. Well, that's a good clarification, but it also highlights the complexity of this whole topic of Medicare and what's covered and what's not covered and which parts do you need. So you need A, B, and D at a minimum right. um, because that's hospital bills, doctor bills, parts A and B. There was, you, when you first sign up for Medicare, you do not have to take um, the hospital part A. You don't have to take the – because it costs more if you're taking – if you're collecting Social Security. It does cost more. To have a so you will find people who 
never had it. And that's something that people should do as they get older, obviously, that they should be signing right. up for A and B. And the Part A is for hospital care, right. basically. And the mm-hmm. Part B is for medical services like doctors and things that would be done outside of a hospital. Right. And then Part D is the, um, uh, the, for the drugs, prescriptions. You know, Tenny, let me just – let's come back to a very basic question with Attorney Tenny Lance. What's the difference between Medicaid and Medicare? Because there's a lot of confusion just on that subject. Oh, people really get confused about that. Medicare, as we're talking this morning, is a health insurance program. It pays for hospitals, doctors, and drugs and some other supplemental things, maybe dental, whatever. Um, Medicaid is a program for poor people. And Medicaid is a system that uh, helps people of all ages. And what I generally get involved with are those who are older and need long-term care, either at home or in a nursing home. And so there's, there's really no uh, joinder between Medicare and Medicaid. They're totally different. So let's say somebody has um, Medicare coverage, Tenny, and let's say that they've got uh, the Part A, which includes hospitalization, and they've got the Part B, which includes uh, doctor's bills, and they have to go to a nursing home. Well, Does Medicare pay for anything if somebody goes to a nursing home? Yes. Medicare will pay uh, as follows. Um, if you are admitted to a hospital for three nights – And sometimes what hospitals do is to put you in on observation because they aren't really sure what's wrong with you or they don't know how to treat you, and they observe you for a while. You have to be admitted to a hospital for three nights and then transferred to a nursing facility that will do rehabilitation for you. That's directly without going home. Without going home and in need of rehab services. They can't just direct you to a nursing home uh, for care and and, uh, further observation. So at that point, you can have up to 100 days paid for by Medicare. But it's also important to note a few things. First of all, you have to be in need of skilled services for Medicare to pay. And secondly, Medicare pays about 80%. So if you don't have a supplemental plan, then you're going to be responsible for the 20% differential. It's very complicated, very difficult for everybody to figure out. And and so that one rule that deals with the fact that you have to be in the hospital for three nights, um, that's one of the reasons that hospitals are under great pressure to push people out of the hospital. So they won't be there for three nights, right? Well... Yes. I mean, the hospital wants to get paid and can get paid from Medicare, um, but the Medicare program has innumerable rules and regulations about how that all can be handled. So it's a very tough topic. And many times I have seen clients who thought they were uh, admitted to the hospital and, in fact, were being observed and then sent out to a facility, and they paid thousands and thousands of dollars for their care. Have you seen that also, Ellen? Yes. Um, I see this all the time, and I remind people if their parent has gone in Mm -hmm. to the hospital to make sure they know whether they 
are observed under observation or they were admitted. And because they don't necessarily tell you. Yep. And if you don't ask, you can very well end up just like Tenny said, big problems. And the other thing is, is that in the nursing home for that 100 days, Medicare has plateaus that you have to reach after so many days of being in there right. before they will agree to continue um, paying for your time in the nursing home. And if they feel you have reached your max plateau, that's when they say, well, your your days are over. And yeah. it may now not be 100. <laughs> yes, and, it, and many times it's not 100 days. That's it's far right. less. Absolutely. So these are really very critical distinctions. So if you go to the hospital, you have to make sure that you're admitted and you're not just there for observation. If you're a parent, um, you need to think about that. If you're a child caring for older parents, and uh, I meet with people all the time making financial decisions, and I met with some folks just in the last couple of days uh, with a 90-year-old mother who's living in an assisted living life care kind of a facility that she purchased for $125,000 over in the South Coast area. Those are tough places because when you go to resell them when the parent dies, uh, there's usually large commissions to pay, and you can't use an outside broker. And It's a very complicated environment when we get older and we're thinking about either our own care or our parents' care. And by the way, I'm going to mention for uh, you, Tenny, that Tenny does a lot of work in the area of doing something called irrevocable income-only trusts. When people are concerned about, what if I go to a nursing home, uh, can they put a lien on my house if I need to qualify for Medicaid benefits, mass health benefits? The answer is yes, they can. So one of the ways to protect an asset like that is to put it into an irrevocable income-only trust, name children perhaps as trustees, and then there's a five-year look-back period, but after five years, that can be a protected asset. But give Tenny a call at 508-998-8800 if you have questions about that. You know, um, Ellen, first of all, we appreciate you being on the show with us this morning. We're talking with Ellen Hull, who's the outreach coordinator for Dartmouth Council on Aging. Do you actually sit with individual clients and give advice and recommendations, or do you leave that primarily to the Shine Counselors and your simply coordinating this stuff? What I try to do is I try to help people focus in on the areas of their needs, their wants, what they can afford or want to pay, um, what's important to them, whether they have co-pays, they don't have co-pays, whether they need referrals or they don't need referrals, mm -hmm. so that when they go in to see the SHINE officer, they've narrowed the number of programs that they actually are interested in because otherwise you could spend a lot of time you could spend a lot of time which the shine on volunteers unfortunately don't have there are too right. many people and too short a time so here's a really important tip for everybody listening today if you are thinking about going to your own local town council on aging and you have to go to the city or town where you live um we actually take people from – we have clients from all over. Oh, good. Okay. I didn't know we that. We do. I'm um, glad to hear that. Some towns do not anymore. Okay. They've limited just to their town. But at the moment, we are one of the few that take them from 
everywhere. So if you're going to go in, you want to get prepared ahead of time. You want to know what you're paying currently, what program you have. You want to bring those papers in. You want to bring in your medical bills. Try to organize it. Don't come in with a whole big pile of papers. Try to organize it and be efficient with the use of your time because these are volunteers, um, but it is important to think about reviewing and making sure you're getting the benefits you deserve. And I've seen comparative charts when I went in to meet with a Shine counselor myself. Uh, there have been some changes in the Medicare law, Medicaid regulations in 2018. Uh, the Part B premium, which pays for doctor's visits, um, that's going to be basically the same at $134. If you're not yet collecting Social Security benefits, you still have to pay for Part B, which is $134 mm-hmm. per month. Uh, some tinkering changes of that nature. Prescription drug premiums themselves for paying for prescriptions, that's going to drop slightly. But right now we're also looking at a cost of living increase in Social Security benefits, which is going up in 2018. Is it 2.8? 2.8, I think that's correct, yes. Um, 2019. In 2019, that's correct. For next year, it starts on January 1st. You're going to see a slight increase in the amount of Social Security benefits, but you may end up paying for part of that and higher cost for Medicare. The last thing I want to mention really quickly is that if you are in a high-income category, you're going to pay more. You're going to have some surcharges you're going to pay for your Medicare insurance. doesn't apply to a lot of people listening. Anyways, we've got forms, reports, lots of information to share. Um, give us a call. Give Tenny a call. Give us a call at USA Wealth Group. Ellen, thank you so much for uh, being with us. And in the last few seconds, I want to say that what you do is very valuable. What we do for our senior citizens is very valuable. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for uh, listening. Tenny, thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you again. And we'll see you on the radio again next Sunday morning.